of God. Please be seated. Now, you're probably wondering how Paul went from a discussion on the beautiful and magnificent doctrines of justification and sanctification and glorification found in the first 11 chapters of Romans to then come to discussing government and taxes. You you might say, Paul, haven't we already covered this issue of total depravity back in Romans 3? I mean, government and taxes... Why, are, why don't we just put a box around it, briefly discuss it, and move on? Well, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, puts it right where it needs to go. In, in chapter 12, Paul begins to discuss application of what he's gone through in, cha- in Romans 1 through 11. And what he says in Romans 12, 1 and 2 is this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers... By the mercies of God to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. How are Christians to live in relationship to God? Living sacrifices. So in Romans 12, we see how we are to relate to one another, to outsiders, to enemies, and now in Romans 13, to civil authorities. Paul addresses how are we as Christians to live under this thing we call the civil magistrate and what are the duties of the civil magistrate? Now, often we view authority quite negatively. Why? Well, because we are sinful people being ruled by sinful people. What is sin? Sin is a rebellion against God's perfect authority. That is the definition of sin. Something that is quite apparent from the beginning when you read Genesis 1 and 2 is that man is the clay, not the potter. Man, by his very creation, was placed under the authority of God, our creator and most high king. Even in a perfect society, in a world where Adam had never sinned, we would still be under the authority of God and a righteous earthly authority under Adam that would govern for the common good and take dominion of the world. But, because of the effects of sin, we all know we don't live in a perfect world. It's fallen, it's corrupt, it's wicked. By Genesis 6, we read that the earth was a violent place, and God nearly wipes us out, but sparing a few righteous people. And so, in Genesis 9, no sooner has Noah exited the ark, than God gives future civil authority this thing we call the sword. He says, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. Because of sin, the civil authorities were given the power over life and death, and the sword was a charge to protect life, life that was created in the image of God. So in Romans 13, 1 through 3, it's no surprise then that we see that it is God who establishes the authority of the state. And so how are Christians supposed to respond to this authority? Romans 13, 1 through 3 says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. God established the civil magistrate. God established the authority and commands us to submit to that authority as unto the Lord. 
Now, where have we heard similar language? Well, uh, in relation to the home, you've got Colossians 3.20. What does it say? Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. In Ephesians 5.22, wives, submit to your own husbands because he's perfect. No, no. He as to the Lord. In relation to the church, Hebrews 13, uh, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Elders, we will have to give an account for the people here. So, in relation to the state, we see in 1 Peter 2, 13, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or to governors sent by him. We, we don't like to submit to authority because we are sinful. And again, sin is rebellion to God's perfect authority. Paul Tripp says that the, one of the most important things you can teach your child between the ages of zero and six years old is to teach your children about authority. Because every man is under it. And if you don't instill your ch in this idea, this principle, into, uh, this in your children while they are young, they might actually grow up believing the lie that they are the ultimate authority. How is our MTV do uh, generation doing honoring this idea of authority? Our culture trashes everything. The authority of the home, the authority of the state, the authority of the church, nothing is sacred. Why do you, I think one of the, the, the biggest reasons, or one of the primary reasons, people attend megachurches these days where they're just uh, a part of the crowd uh, and, and nobody knows their name, is there's no membership. There's no strings attached. You're not getting into my junk. One of my buddies recently uh, told me, he said, you know, I don't want a boss and I don't want my son to ever think I had one. I think what he was saying was, I don't want my son to think that his father would ever lower himself to that. But what is he going to uh, tell his son when this friend, who if I know him correctly, this will happen, when, when cops pull him over for speeding one of these days, and his son's in the back seat, and he gets to see firsthand who is under the authority of whom. From legal treaties and the United Nations to the Constitution of the United States, to the federal government in all three branches, to the myriad of bureaucracies, to state governments and their myriad of bureaucracies and agencies, to parents, teachers, church leaders, we find authority everywhere. Every human being from Bill Gates to the President of the United States is under God-given authority. Our default as Christians to those whom we are under authority is this submission as unto Christ. So, what is point number two? We pay taxes to the governing authority. Verses six, for because of this you also pay taxes. Verse seven, pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, and revenue to whom revenue is owed. Well, what if we don't like where the money is going? What if it finances horrific evils like abortion? We will discuss in a moment the limits of state authority, but we as Christians cannot base our obedience to Christ on the sinful actions of man. We are to pay our taxes whether the state is working in obedience to God or not, because we must be obedient. 
This is what Jesus himself said. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Folks, taxes are what paid for the cross, the nails, and the Roman guards at Golgotha. And I don't know a greater evil than crucifying a perfect man, the Son of God. Christians should be honest, transparent, tax-paying citizens of Christ, for Christ. Now, number three, we find that we are to respect the governing authorities. Something that's, that's found at the end of 1 Samuel is uh, we find King Saul, a desperate man who has been unfaithful to God. And he, he asks an Amalekite to help him fall on his sword. And after Saul dies, the Amalekite brings David the crown. And given that Saul was trying to kill David, David's response is amazing. David said to the Amalekite, How is it that you were not afraid to put out your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Then David called one of the young men and said, Go execute him. And he struck him down so that the Amalekite died. And David said, Your blood be on your head, for your mouth has testified against you. I have killed the Lord's anointed. David had a very high view of earthly authority because he knew where that authority came from. The Lord. Point number four is we show honor to the governing authorities. Paul in Acts 23 has been brought before the council. And Paul, looking intently at the council, said, Brethren, I have lived my life with a perfectly good conscience before God up to this day. The high priest Ananias commanded those standing beside him, Strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Don't you love that? I mean, I, how many times would you want to say that to someone in governing authority? Oh, that is just... Paul had to feel good after that. I mean, he had to feel good. But look what happens. Paul says, do you sit to try me according to the law and a violation of the law order me to be struck? He's pointing out that they're violating a law. So he's pointing out a good thing. But look what happens. The bystanders say this. Paul, do you revile God's high priest? Look what Paul said. I was not aware, brethren, that he was high priest, for it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. In other words, I might have thought it, but I shouldn't have said it. He's in that position of authority. Paul showed honor to the high priest because God commanded it. Five, we must pray for the governing authorities. First Timothy 2, 1 through 3 says, I urge the supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. Folks, it's not a sin to want to live at peace with the authorities as we pray earnestly for them. Some of you could give me the name of every single player and their stats on your favorite college team, but you might have trouble naming the Speaker of the House or the Attorney General or even our Sheriff. I'm not casting any stones, but these are men and women the Lord says to pray for and their decisions affect you and I vastly more than the decisions on your brackets. That being said, I went to Grove City College, Division Three, so that was really exciting. So, thank you. Point number six, Christians should vote. To whom much is given, much is required. We Christians, we are in a constitutional republic, and we have a stake in the political process whether we want it or not. We should study the candidates, study the issues, 
get godly counsel and vote in every election as a steward of this country and for the love of fellow man and children. What an opportunity we have been given. And we know what good leadership looks like biblically. Speaking of good leadership, let's now talk about what are the God-given duties of the state. Well, the civil magistrate is a minister of God established to be, number one, a terror of bad conduct, a condoner of good conduct, a servant of God, and Psalms 82, 2-4 reminds us that rulers must judge with fairness and righteousness, defending the weak and needy in every sphere of life, for they bear the sword to defend, protect, and maintain order. The state is the avenger of God. Romans 12, uh, 19 says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. God does that in part through the state. Personal vengeance is wrong and wicked. Mob rule is everyone doing what is right in his own eyes. That is contrary to God's commands. Mob rule where people take justice into their own hands is wrong. Justice is not to be carried out by the hands of an individual or a mob, but the, through the authority of God delegated to the state. While we will never have perfect justice on earth, God uses the state for proximate justice right here and now. Whether you think recent decisions have been right or wrong, we live in a country where we have a grand jury process and not a mob process. Praise God for that. The state has been charged not to bear God's sword in vain. So, this all sounds really good, right? All the list of things the state is to do. So is the state's power unlimited? Are, are we as Christians called to absolute obedience to the state? Absolutely not. At this point, my wife suggested I unfurl her don't tread on me flag. Uh, which, was first, uh, which was the first purchase she bought for our house. Uh, we didn't even have furniture, and she buys a revolutionary war flag. But she's from eastern North Carolina, so what can I say? But it, it's important to note that Romans 13 is not a complete treatise on the state. We have to look at the whole counsel of God to answer the question of when Christians should not obey the state's commands. We know the state can commit great evil. In 1 Kings 21, King Ahab wants a garden that belongs to a man named Naboth. And Naboth wouldn't sell it to him in order to comply with God's law. And so Ahab and Jezebel conjure up false charges, have Naboth stoned, and then take the vineyard. And the Lord's response is this. In the place where dogs licked up Naboth's blood... Dogs, Ahab, will lick up your blood. Ahab was a wicked king in the sight of God. King David had a man killed, stole his wife, and committed adultery. God sent Nathan with this word in 2 Samuel 12. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what was evil in, in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. We know David repented. We know that God forgave David, but his firstborn son with Bathsheba was taken from him. 
The state has committed terrible atrocities. 65 million people died during China's communist revolution. The USSR, 20 million people. Nazi Germany, 11 million people. In our own country, for many years, our nation condoned the owning of a, another human being based on race, a travesty of injustice and sinfulness. Lest we kid ourselves about our own morality, since 1973, when the Supreme Court prohibited states from outlawing abortions, more than 55 million babies have been slaughtered. This is a moral cancer to our land, and it is protected by the state. So what are Christians to do when the state isn't obedient to God's commands? What do you do when the government commands you to pinch incense to the emperor and utter the words, Caesar is Lord? What do you do when the government commands you to stop sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ? What do you do when the government orders you to kill all male babies among you? What do you do when the government orders you to return with news of where the Christ child is in order to kill him? What do you do when your government is so corrupt that the local police authorities kidnap 43 of your children and turn them over to gangs to be killed, which happened in Mexico several weeks ago? What do you do when the government commands you to host weddings on your property? or to bake cakes, or to create flower arrangements in celebration of homosexual unions. This is happening all across America to business owners who are artists in their craft. They're not just selling a car or a home, but these are people who are, by consenting to a project, are endorsing it. What do you do when the government commands you not to preach certain passages of scripture because the state labels them hate speech? And the Canadian law does just that. What are Christians to do? Well, listen carefully to this because this comes from the whole counsel of God. We as Christians are called to obey the authorities over us unless that authority commands us to do something God forbids or forbids something that God commands. When Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold to himself and commanded, look, when you hear the music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down, they're going to get the sword of justice. They're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. What did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answer the king? They said, O oh, Nebuchadnezzar, the God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. They defied authority because it went against God's authority. In Acts 4, we see the Sanhedrin, the local authority, ordered the following. They called Peter and John and they charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. It was respectful. It was God-honoring. But Peter and John defied authority by saying, We cannot do as you say. And they were willing to accept the consequences. We, we as Christians are called to be salt and light. And sometimes 
That involves confronting authority like Nathan or Elijah did or, or disobeying the authority when their commands go against God's commands. Whether our salt and light leads to the Reformation or if it leads to the lions, that's for God to decide. We simply obey. We obey God. Make no mistake, sometimes that confrontation leads to the lions and our, our martyrdom for Christ. Look to Paul. Look to the disciples. Look to Polycarp. The state bears the sword. You know, some of you might actually be called to run for office. I believe one of the best ways of confronting higher officials, or even lower for that matter, is to be in government authority. Challenging uh, to be in government authority, to be salt and light there. We won't get into many facets of the revolution. But there were, as there were devout Christians on either side looking at Romans 13 saying, what do we do? I only bring it up to say this. It was, a, it was established colonial authority that stood up against British authority. Government authority challenging government authority for the common good of the people. So if you want to run for office and be in that authority, our church sends our blessing. Go run for the glory of God as a servant of God. To do good to fellow man and govern justly as God commands. Know that the state was not the sphere given for the Great Commission. That was for the church. The church has a duty to preach to the state. And most importantly, remind the state what Romans 13 instructs them. As a servant of God. Folks, the United States is Babylon. We shouldn't be surprised at her wickedness. We are sojourners in this land. We are called to be salt and light. The state is not the savior of the people. In conclusion, if you want to see perfect subjection, look to the Trinity and Jesus Christ, who thought, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, who prayed, not my will, Father, but your will. You want to see the perfect model of the servant leader? It's found in Christ Jesus, who as the Son of God washed the disciples' feet and taught that whoever would be great among you must be your servant. If you ever find yourselves in submission to a state that hates God, take comfort in this. Even that state is under the authority of Christ. For Christ himself said, all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. When Jesus Christ was standing before Pilate, remember what he said in that moment. You, Pilate, would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Folks, this is certain. Pontius Pilate bowed the knee before Jesus Christ. Caesar Augustus bowed the knee before Jesus Christ. Nero, the executor of Paul, bowed the knee before Jesus Christ. Nancy Pelosi, John Boehner, 
Barack Obama will bow the knee before Jesus Christ. You and I will bow the knee before our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. All things are subject under Him. And one day, all who belong to Jesus, who dwell with God in all His glory, will dwell with God in all His glory. We will be His people, and He will be our God. He will wipe away every tear, and death shall be no more. Neither there shall there be mourning, nor cryings, nor pain anymore, for the old former things will have passed away. The sword-bearing magistrate will be out of a job. Let's pray. Oh God, we pray that we as Christians might obey your word and submit to the governing authorities and those authorities over us. We pray, O oh God, that we might obey your word even when it is difficult, even in hard times, that we might be loyal above all to you, Christ. We pray for those in authority that they might rule over us justly and rightly and that they might recognize your sovereignty over the state and over all. And Father God, we thank you so much. We praise you that you sent your Son, that Jesus, you came and lived a perfect life and died on a cross for sinners, rebellious sinners like us. Father God, May we long to see your face. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please stand with us as we close the service. And just